vote dump or don't say a word Move my head around like a startled bird Can't do housework when I choose When I win or convince myself I lose Fabric feels weird against my skin I gotta hold my breath when I take out the bin Can't go out cause it's too hot and bright I can't sleep at night cause there's too much light The bees in my brain won't let me speak My thought process is quite unique The mask comes off or now I'm weird your autistic experience. Hello and welcome to the Autistic Experience. It is the 24th of September 2023. Welcome back to another episode. New episodes, of course, come out every Sunday at around this sort of time, midday British time. And while you're not listening to this, you can always go follow us on Instagram at the Autistic Experience. My name is Kieran, as always joined by Chloe. Hey, hey. Hi. <laughs> if you think about it, this podcast is like a magical mirror. We look behind us and we see what's happened in the past week. We look, I don't know, at our feet and we have a look at what's happening in people's lives now. And then we look forward to what's happening in the next week. The all-seeing. The all-seeing podcast. <laughs> As always, we're going to split the podcast into a couple of different sections. We're going to have a look at some of the news around autism, ADHD, various other neurodivergences. Weirdly, it's fairly focused on ADHD this week, but no matter. Then we're going to have a look at someone's life, aka trawling Reddit for the (laughs) juiciest gossip. And then afterwards, we're going to have a quick look at some of the events happening in the UK based around autistic, ADHD, neurodivergent people and events for us, basically, that you can go to in the next week. But first, of course, we're going to check in with home life. What have we been up to the last this last week? Well... I can't remember anything past yesterday. We went to Ikea. We did. To buy a few very specific items... Maybe like two or three specific things. And then how many did we come um, back with? Came back with like 10 things yeah. and got lunch while we were there as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the one thing which is probably worthwhile mentioning on this particular show is we got some new light shades yeah. for our smart bulbs. So <laughs> really stocking up these. We've actually got two different kinds of smart bulbs now as well, haven't we? Do we? Well, actually, no, the others aren't smart bulbs. They're just like daylight imitating bulbs whereas these ones are like smart dimming bulbs yeah we, we can, can turn them google down google to yeah, control them <laughs> but yeah so they're kind of these imagine like paper lanterns they're just like paper spheres right so the light bulb obviously goes inside it and it makes this kind of bright kind of diffuse light so the light mm. kind of spreads out everywhere but it's not pointed at either of our eyeballs yeah. So like previously, just having the 
uncovered light bulb there if it was getting dark outside or maybe the light was too bright or maybe just a bit sensitive one day it felt like the light bulb was taking up a knife and going see these eyes <laughs> step 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 <laughs> yeah but now we've got a little globe of invulnerability around the light bulb <laughs> and we can protect our precious little yeah, eyes it like shields it but at the same time Really brightens the whole room up in a good yeah. way. It's weird, but it's very good. Yeah. Makes me feel happier. <laughs> yeah, so if you're on the hunt for eye-friendly light shades, we can definitely suggest, not necessarily the IKEA ones, even though they were like £2 each, so very <laughs> cheap. Other light shades are, of course, available. But yeah, we would probably suggest those kind of spherical, papery ones. Yeah. Also, if you do happen to go to IKEA... Please do check out their fantastic meatballs. Because <laughs> no, I love We discussed this beforehand. Meatball. If we're not getting paid in meatballs <laughs> to talk about meatballs, we're not going yeah. to talk about meatballs. All right. No more meatball talk then. <laughs> they don't need any more money. That is true. Yeah. We do. And if we're not getting paid in either money or meatballs, then we're not interested. No, no promo. Sorry, IKEA. <laughs> You could go somewhere else for equally good meatballs or likely a lot better meatballs. On the other hand, if you are on the marketing board for IKEA, Cabdog was happy to get paid in money or meatballs. Yeah, because I do genuinely really like your meatballs, so like I will shout them out. Let's talk. But if you're not sponsoring, then you can get meatballs everywhere, but probably way better. (laughs) (laughs) I think we covered all the bases there. Yeah. Everyone's happy. Right, well, I would like to mention the other thing that we did this week. Yeah. So, as we know, us lot, us neurodivergent lot, have our special interests. We do. Which we get very into and become almost experts, one might say, on that topic. Well, if we're not experts, what's the point? Exactly. So, one of those special interests of yours is... Lord of the Rings, is it not? As it turns out, yeah. Yes, so um, Kieran found a pub quiz about Lord of the Rings that he suggested going to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, cool, I like a pub quiz. And, you know, let's do it. Why not? Pop along, the two of us. Why not? Just two of us, yeah. We'll have, have a, good a drink time. and it'll be all right. Definitely um, won't take it deathly seriously at all. No, no, but he ended up writing like half an essay for a lot of the questions. <laughs> well, some of the questions needed an appendix. And I think <laughs> Tolkien of all people would appreciate I, it. I was going to say, I think Tolkien, Tolkien's kind of done that himself, hasn't he really? Yeah. <laughs> but um, let's just say that Kieran kicked the absolute ass off this quiz and... Neither of us have ever won a pub quiz before. but because there's a sport round, usually. He he won this pub quiz for us by a decent... decent, Well, I mean, the second place team, I think, had like one point below us, maybe. Yeah, it was was a close thing. Like, a few other teams were way behind. Like, you did damn well. I think you missed like one or two points, and that was it. And they were really hard questions. So, Kieran... Some some were cruel. They were really bad. I didn't know a lot of them. Like, I would have lost by a mile if I was there without him. But <laughs> you've won. Would you like to tell the people what you won for us? <laughs> yeah, okay. So it was one of these fairly 
we call them trendy, but it was very kind of rustic yeah. style, isn't it? But it's, it's one of these places that do these bottomless brunches, which I'm given to understand involves alcohol and waffles. <laughs> you pay for your slot and then you get food and bottomless alcoholic drinks or yeah. non-alcoholic drinks. Yeah, so you've been wanting to do one of these things. Yes. And the issue is if you know the deal, they do tend to be quite expensive. Like the one they do there is £35 per person, mm-hmm. and that's for 90 minutes. But I mean, if we were going to go the two of us, it would like still cost quid, us yeah. 70 quid. Like, I don't necessarily want to <laughs> yeah, and like, spare that yeah, money. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really a drinker myself anyway. So no. Anyway, why are we talking about this? Well, <laughs> the first prize, as it turns out, for that, dear listeners, is what we won. The first prize was a bottomless brunch for four people. Hey. So we need to find two friends. <laughs> two people to come with us. This isn't an invitation, by the way. Don't like email us. <laughs> we don't know oh, who's maybe. listening. There could be some real cool people listening yeah. that we'd love to I'm go sure, I'm sure there are some real with. cool people listening. Yeah, so if you're really cool, then yeah, sure. Send us an email, maybe we'll let you come to our yeah, very exclusive bottomless oh, brunch. I mean, we could always say go follow us on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, for updates on this bottomless brunch competition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's congratulate Kieran on his incredible knowledge of his very nerdy special interest. <laughs> Thank you, Autism, for getting me yeah. bottomless brunch. <laughs> It's finally come good for <laughs> uh, We're going to move on now to some of the neurodivergent news stories that have been in the news this week. As usual, we try to find stories which are A, scientifically valid, yeah. <laughs> and B, not presented in a way that nullifies, invalidates, or infantilizes us. And also, I'm trying to avoid ones which specify only children, unless it's relevant. Yeah. In this situation, this this first story, it is relevant that it is just children. Yeah. Because this is a, a story which I first spotted on the 18th of September, because that's when it was published on Helio.com, which I think we used last week. But the headline is that in the US, in the last 20 years between 2001 and 2021, ADHD medication errors increased nearly 300%. So within those 2021 years, there were 87,691 cases of medication errors over those 21 years. So, But at the moment, it does give an estimate that 3.3 million children in the US do have ADHD, so that's about 5%. So if you're looking at 88,000, let's call it, out of 3 million, that's not too bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, there's a breakdown here, and it says 54% of those inadvertently taking or giving the medication twice in a day. Yeah. Which I think, if you're an adult with ADHD, you can sympathise with when you're like, have I done it today? Yeah. Yes? <laughs> no? Maybe? But then it was only about 13%, which was in the vein of 
giving the wrong medication. I think this was not necessarily、mm. medical professionals providing the wrong medication. Yeah, it suggested that it was caregivers and patients、yeah. that maybe weren't educated correctly, and so、yeah. mistakes were being made there. But one line of thinking which this story doesn't cover, and what I, I tried to have a look into, but the statistics don't seem to be available for it. Is that what with like in the last twenty years ADHD becoming a lot more prevalent and in general we've been becoming a lot better at spotting it. Like I mean we're not by any means good at spotting <laughs> it as a society, but we're becoming better. I just wanted to compare how many children in the US have ADHD now compared to twenty years ago. Yeah, because if it's anywhere near like. Three times the amount, which seems reasonable,、mm -hmm. considering you know just general population increases and then the increase in diagnostic capability, then an increase in three hundred percent of medication errors is probably quite proportional. Yeah, if you take those、yeah. increases into account. Yeah, well, it does. It does say. I remember reading on the article that it doesn't like it. It says obviously. The number of people with ADHD has also increased、yeah. in that time, but it doesn't specifically say how much. So I'm guessing some of that three hundred percent would be down to that as well. Yeah, but because, well, I'm I'm just thinking that because twenty years ago doesn't seem like a long time, but also it kind of is. Yeah, because that will be the sort of time where they didn't believe that ADHD could occur in girls. For instance,、mm. or that it was only hyperactive, yeah, and that you know at that time you had ADHD and you had ADD, which is you know attention deficit disorder, without the hyperactivity. Now they're all kind of mushed into the one kind of umbrella ADHD term. I think you know if you're looking at this three hundred percent increase and going, oh wow, people are mismedicating or overmedicating or what have you. Then you need to take another look at the statistics. I mean, I would say what I've just thought is, although that three hundred percent might be sort of in proportion, considering how many more people have been diagnosed in the last twenty years, the rate of error hasn't increased; it's stayed about the same. Yeah. But that also means that there's been no improvement <laughs> on education. And on reducing the errors, like they've just stayed the same for twenty years. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Which is also kind of like not ideal. You'd think maybe, in, I suppose, there's been other developments in twenty years, but like they're still kind of making the same. The same errors are still happening. Well, I think if there's anything that we can say for attitudes to medicine in America. <laughs> It's that it's not necessarily the most proactive place. No. Anyway, speaking of、uh, looking back over the last twenty or so years, Attitude magazine, which is A D D Itude, it's it's a bit of a pun. <laughs> Apparently, and this is something I was not aware of previously, is that October is ADHD Awareness Month. I didn't know that. Well, we do now. Uh, but they've put out this because they're celebrating their twenty-fifth anniversary, and they've put out some stuff about comparing now to twenty-five years ago.、Yeah. And some of it's 
interesting. Some of it's kind of worrying. So then, so 25 years ago, also, I, I'm not sure whether this is specific to the US or just worldwide in general. So it says uh, 25 years ago, 85% of educators received little or no ADHD training. Whereas now, it's only 71% of educators <sighs> that receive little or no ADHD training. I mean, I suppose it's a bit better. <laughs> it's a bit better, yeah, but like... <laughs> it's not great, is it, it's really? Not... <laughs> when almost three quarters receive inadequate or no training. Yeah, like that's still a hell of a lot. <laughs> then, yeah, one we've mentioned on previous iterations of the podcast, 25 years ago previously, they thought ADHD just lived in its own little island in our brain. Yeah. Just so if you had ADHD, that was it. But now we know that comorbidity is amazingly common. Mm. So it's very, very rare that you only have ADHD. There are so many different connected neurodivergences that just having one, it's quite unlikely. It's like crazy bones <laughs> or balls of yarn. Balls of yarn. <laughs> you can't, or Pringles. You can't just stop at one. <laughs> yeah, I relate to that. But <laughs> the balls of yarn. <laughs> so, so bear that in mind for the next story, actually. Uh, then, yeah, 25 years ago, people thought that A, only children got ADHD, and B, that they outgrew it. Mm. Now those children with ADHD, they've grown up. They still have ADHD. Yeah. And, you know, I think we mentioned, uh, again, on previous iterations of the podcast, that whilst some of those hyperactive traits may mellow in time, you know, those inattentive traits real, really do start to creep up mm. on you and take advantage of your aged brain. Yeah. And it's it's probably that, you know, as as children, you behave the way that you behave. But if you're kind of brought up with people telling you off, and punishing you for being hyperactive or being restless or over energetic, like you're gonna naturally start to mask it, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of it might just be that adults have just learnt to try and hide it, they've learnt to mask it, and that's why it's not noticed as much in adults. Yeah. Also, I think there is just a slightly lower energy level in adults. Yeah. <laughs> It's like definitely <laughs> you, you've got physically bigger bodies. You need more energy to do anything. That's why we don't spend all day running around like <laughs> kids do. It's the difference between like a hamster and a dog. You know, hamsters are only tiny little things, so the energy they take in from food goes a lot further. Yeah, than it does with dogs. Also, we have to go to work. <laughs> okay, so uh, the last one that I'm gonna uh, put on is that uh, 25 years ago they split. ADHD and kind of defined it by hyperactivity and impulsivity. Mm -hmm. And like, I think even today, those still are the main hallmarks that people go to when they think about ADHD, because yeah. the H literally stands for hyperactivity. Yeah. Whereas I think quite rightly, we're starting to shift more into the idea that it's more in the emotional dysregulation and executive dysfunction side of things, which... We've talked about executive dysfunction quite a lot in the past. And I think we can all agree that that's a much more sensible way of going about it. So unless, yeah, I think maybe ADHD just needs to be 
changed in name. Yeah, I do think it gives the wrong impression. Like attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Yeah. It's like that feels really inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, because I think one of the other ones is that it's not a deficit in attention, it's just being inconsistent Yeah. in your attention. Yeah, like you find it hard to focus on some things and... Like, it's very negative as well. Yeah. And I think it doesn't need to be that negative. Well, yeah, that's the thing with a lot of these conditions is that you do tend to call them, like, deficits or disorders. They're naturally negative terms. You don't want someone pointing at your entire being and go, yeah, that's just not (laughs) right, is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great, no. But yeah, so have have a little look at our Instagram page, which is at the Autistic Experience, and we'll have all the references for where we've got everything. Not necessarily the links, just because of how uh, Instagram and also pictures work. But yeah, you'll be able to find the things we're talking about just by having a look at that. So, you know, when we talked about ADHD not being its own little island, it's more of an archipelago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, on Attitude magazine, they've recently put out this uh, symptom checker. So it is not, it's important to stress at this point that it's not a diagnostic tool. <laughs> so it's not the same as going to see a trained medical professional, although having been to see certain <laughs> medical professionals, It's much more willing to listen. Yeah, they're not usually uh, the most helpful. Yeah, so just, (laughs) again, but it is not a clinical diagnostic tool. It just kind of gives you some tick boxes and you can check, like, you know, stuff you have difficulty with, stuff you experience, and then it gives you some ideas as to things you might want to read into. (laughs) So we both did this earlier. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, I do still have my results up. Oh, cool! So I can look at them because when you did it earlier, you came you came out with like two things. Yes. And like mine ended up with about eight, <laughs> and I'm not quite sure how. Well, my results have gone, so I'm just going to quickly try to fill it in again. Okay. But um, if you want to share yours. Or <laughs> So this suggested I take a look at Tourette syndrome, OCD, depression, bipolar, <laughs> autism, ADHD, sensory processing disorder, and language processing disorder. <laughs> so bearing in mind, like sensory processing and language processing are both real common in autism and ADHD, and there's a certain amount of crossover between OCD and autism. And then I think depression is just you know that's just a byproduct. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Well, I've just finished rerunning Martin and it's come out slightly longer than the list was before. Ah, it's um, probably a bit more accurate. Then. Yeah, because I think I've ticked a few things that I've definitely ticked a few things that I didn't tick before. So I've come out with depression, ADHD, sensory processing disorder, and anxiety. Apparently, I'm not anxious, I'm just depressed. <laughs> yeah, you've got literally everything else going on apart from anxiety. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure how many potential conditions it's possible to have, but I've got some pretty high marks <laughs> yeah. across the board. 
another quiz you've won. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that confuses me on this, though, is sensory processing disorder, because, like, how do you separate that from... No, it says sensory processing disorder can be a symptom of ADHD or autism spectrum, so... Yeah. Like, it's maybe not its own thing. No, so, like, say with the sensory processing and, like, language processing... Yeah. You know, it is possible just to have them by itself, but, like, if you consider being autistic as the side of sensory processing, language processing, yeah. social difficulties is quite a big one. It all intertwines. Yeah, that, that's why, yeah, it's it's not an island itself. Yeah. It's just this big archipelago of loads of different islands all clustered together. Yeah. That's why it's so complicated. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on to a bit of a discussion because I noticed this article. It's on salon.com. Uh, which was posted on the 18th of September, which is someone's reading of the live-action Little Mermaid film as Ariel is autistic and Prince Eric is ADHD. So the person who wrote this is also autistic, so it's someone seeing yeah. representation for themselves, so it's not just othering, so that's why we're covering it. Yeah. We took the opportunity earlier on to watch the live-action Little Mermaid. Yes, it's very good for yeah, for, really for research it. purposes. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I think I, <laughs> I mean this isn't a movie review podcast, but <laughs> I think in the grand scheme of Disney remakes, I think it was up there. Oh yeah, it's definitely one of the best. Totally. I usually don't like the remakes. I'm a bit of a I'm a stickler for the classics. I am. So some of the points uh, the author is making is that you know Ariel has this fascination with the human world she collects all these you know who's it's and what's it's like piled up and very quickly becomes obsessed with prince eric because he's you know a decent person <laughs> which i think we can probably appreciate he's very good in the live action film he's much better in that one than he is in the animated one yeah the idea of prince eric being adhd i think the idea that there were some lines like at the beginning where his was his guardian, I guess. Yeah, basically sort of says like, like I need you to concentrate, or are you are you even listening to me? Yeah, zoning out of conversations. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, being distracted by yeah, something and then else. also like after being saved by Ariel, he quickly becomes very obsessed with trying to find this mystery savior, and you know sings a song about it and everything. <laughs> and then as soon as Ariel turns up, obviously he doesn't know that's who saved him he just becomes obsessed with her yeah and completely forgets about this you know searching which again i think we could probably identify with because having the like emotional capacity to do two things at once yeah it's like the brief fleeting kind of special interests and obsessions isn't yeah. it really <laughs> so that's kind of the arguments laid out in the article like personally watching it and you know watching both Ariel and Derek I'm not sure I would necessarily go so far as to say that they're written as autistic or ADHD mm -hmm. I would definitely agree they both have traits associated with autism and ADHD and you know if you see them as that way then great if you see them as representation on screen for 
things you're going through or things you think, then that's great. Even if it's not intended to be representation, if you're seeing it there, then that's what should matter. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I would say like watching it that I can, again, I can see the points. I can see the traits. To me, I think the argument for Eric having ADHD was actually a bit more obvious, I thought, just because, like, you know, Ariel's character, you know, she is fascinated by the human world and she doesn't understand any of it and it's all kind of new and it's all weird and it's all exciting and I can see why her behaviour would make you think of autism. Mm. But I think in the film, Eric was very, like, restless. He was very Mm. impulsive. He was very like obsessive over things he was distracted he was kind of a bit disobedient like that's all very very much associated with ADHD but also like when you're writing these things you don't want your male lead to be completely obedient and well behaved yeah because that doesn't make an interesting character yeah so it's it's you know that fine line is to whether you're looking to do actual accurate representation or whether you're just wanting to write an engaging character with like conflict and like wants and desires yeah and then yeah i I think ariel's stuff is quite common to your standard if you'll forgive the wordplay fish out of water stories (laughs) in that she's going into a new culture completely of course she wouldn't understand how any of it works yeah like, all the information she's had on it is quite tainted by the fact that she gets it from a bird. <laughs> so, you know, if you go into a new situation with faulty information, then, yeah, of course, you're not going to understand it. It's all going to be too much, right? Yeah. Unless we're underestimating neurotypical abilities <laughs> in some way. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of what I thought. But I can I can definitely see, you know, when she's kind of wandering around the market and she's just kind of looking at everything and all the colours and all the, like, she's very childlike about it and she uses the fork wrong and these people are looking at her weird and things like yeah, that. Yeah, but, I can but, kind yeah, of relate but, but to again, that. <laughs> she, she was told, that this is, like, if you haven't seen it, then this might sound a bit weird, but she was told that the fork was... <laughs> used to style hair yeah. so that's what she's been told why was she not yeah. that? but again like she does seem more comfortable in the human world than in the water so maybe the point about you know not fitting in because like she doesn't go hang out with her sisters or with any of the other mer people who we know do exist she just mm. hangs out with flounder which I think we can agree, having an animal you hang out with the entire time is <laughs> much preferable to any human yes. company. So maybe that was what we were looking at, is the not belonging in this, you know, the culture you're supposed to belong to. Yeah. And then being able to find a culture you do fit into, and then everyone from your previous culture going, you can't do that, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. If it was kind of flipped and like Prince Eric was wanting to become like a mer person to go down into that world because it's you know less busy it's quieter you know there aren't as many people it's less complicated <laughs> potentially then i think we could probably go 
classic autism. Yeah. But because it's going into the human culture, we go, no, can't possibly be. It's human culture. Yeah, I think that's part of it is I think, why would you want to leave the ocean? Like, it's so pretty and it's so nice. Why would you yeah. want to give that up and go and live with the people? Like, <laughs> but like I think if, if Ariel's brain is like, doesn't fit in with mer culture and does fit in with, you know, this entirely different thing, then, yeah, that's that's a sense of neurodivergence, if not yeah. specifically autism, because we don't see any sensory issues so much yeah well i think i think you had a point where you said it's more about you're surrounded by a family and you're surrounded by people that you don't really feel like you fit in with they punish you for behaving a certain way and you just kind of want to like get out of there really. yeah i mean that, that's not necessarily autism that's just having a bad family <laughs> but it happens a lot with like neurodivergent it people does. that if they if they're surrounded by people that don't accept them, they can, like people with ADHD, a classic one of, you know, getting told off at school for being mm -hmm. hyper and being naughty and like you get, you get put down and then you just want to kind of leave that, that space. And I think it's like, that's a good point. It's less of literally area wanting to leave and become a human and more of a, she doesn't fit in she feels like she's not meant to be there for some reason yeah and... so yeah i i think that brings up a good point and like to bring it back weirdly enough to tolkien <laughs> there's this difference in between allegory which is like a a translation of real world cultures and politics into like this fantasy world compared to applicability which is the ability to see a situation in a fantasy world and apply those themes and lessons to your own world. Yeah. So whilst, you know, it may not be canonical or written for Ariel to be autistic, as I said, you know, if you see those traits and you can take them and go, okay, that resonates with me in some way, I can take that and maybe feel a bit better about mm. my own life, then that's applicability. and You've taken something you've seen and you've applied it yeah. elsewhere. And again, if that's what you take from the film, then great. Yeah, exactly. Because I know, for, like I said, I, I personally found Eric quite relatable just because of his attitude of, I want to get out, I want to explore. <laughs> I don't like being stuck on the shore. I don't really feel like I fit in and I don't want to do what's expected of me sort of thing. Mm. That's very much relatable to me. I could go further. I'm going to say it anyway. Um in the original Little Mermaid animated film, they did do a sequel, which, if anybody hasn't seen, is about Eric and Ariel's human daughter, who is obsessed with the sea and being a mermaid. So it's kind of like the other way around. And she is kind of my... <laughs> like, Melody is my my spirit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I want to go into the sea and be a mermaid and swim with a whale. <laughs> Again, we'll put uh, a reference to that uh, Salon article onto our Instagram page, at The Autistic Experience, so you can go find it yourself. If you've already seen the live-action Little Mermaid, tell us what you think. Did you get any of those sorts of impressions? Uh, if you haven't yet, it's uh, currently to watch on Disney+, Plus. if you've got that. If you watch it through the lens that we did, looking for those 
neurodivergent traits? Do you see them? What do you think about them? Let us know. Always interested to hear what you have to say. But for now, we're going to move on to our next segment. So this is the point of the show where we troll Reddit for the juicy gossip and try and treat it as if someone's actually asking us a question that we can try and answer in a useful sort of a way. So this question says, uh, should autistic teenagers be taught to behave normally? Uh, I'll, I'll just read out the context for this. So the, the person writing this is a recently diagnosed ADHD teacher, not just neurotypical, so it's okay. Also, asking questions is always okay. Yeah. This is a teacher asking about a student. So this happened at the start of the lesson before everyone had turned up. So it wasn't in actual learning time. So it says, uh, the student's speech pathologist uh, visits once a fortnight to support them. And today the student was lying on the ground in the sun outside class because it felt good. The pathologist asked them, is this behavior appropriate? Do you see others doing this? Do you see your teacher doing this? I personally, this is the teacher again, I'm doing different voices. <laughs> I personally didn't have a problem with it and was happy for them to lie there until we started the lesson. I wonder whether this is helpful to be taught normative behavior explicitly or whether they should just be left to enjoy without judgment and the expectation that they should act like everyone else. So I think we can see the themes at play here. You know, we've got autistic student just vibing, someone coming along and going, why are you like this? You shouldn't be doing this. Do you see anyone else doing this? You shouldn't be doing that either. I think we all know the answer to this one, don't we? I think so, yes. <laughs> In that, if it makes them feel better and they're not disrupting anyone else, then let them do it, basically. There is always an argument for the teaching them to behave normally. It's not necessary. You don't go, this is how you have to behave and anything else is will be punished. You don't do that. No. Because that's like altering their behavior. Yeah. And like trying to, again, make them crunch their poor little body into shapes that won't work. Yeah. There's, you know, something to be said for providing, you know, just a bit of insight into, hey, just so you know, people don't tend to do this. Yeah. You're not getting in anyone's way. You're not hurting anyone. No one's really complaining about you. So you're cool. But just so you know, that's kind of more what it should be. It's just more of an information rather than putting it on them to change. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to teach awareness yeah. of other people so that they don't necessarily do things that are going to disrupt others. That's, I think, what I was trying to get at. Yeah, so. but also I think an important lesson to teach a teenager here or a child here would to say maybe other people might not always be okay with what you're doing. You may experience some judgment from people if you do things like this but just to say it's okay what you're doing is fine but just expect that some people might not understand it i think that's that's a good thing to say yeah. to people yeah uh, there were a couple of comments below this which quite rightly pointed out that if it wasn't just one person doing it 
if there are a couple of people doing it, then it becomes the norm. Yeah. And accepted. Yeah, like if a few friends are doing it together, then it's fine. But because it's just that one person and they just happen to be autistic, that they get singled out because of it. Yeah. And that's what we don't like to see. No, exactly. I think we can all agree that there's a lot of not very nice stuff that goes on in this life, in this world. And if that person can enjoy something as simple as laying on the ground in the sun because it feels nice, fair play to them. Yeah. Let them enjoy it. And you everyone everyone else should enjoy it as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're appreciating something simple, which everybody should be able to do. Yeah. That's it. Short story. <laughs> if someone's having a good time and not getting in anyone's way, then you let them have their good time. Yeah. Who cares if it's a bit weird or it's not normal? It's fine. Anyway, I think that's probably where we should call the discussion. <laughs> uh, it's now time just to have a little look over the week ahead as to what is going on this week. So events based on autism, ADHD, general neurodivergences. Uh, we've got, I think, four to have a look at uh, today, just to let you know what's going on. Obviously, we can't do everything. Some are not suitable, are aimed at parents or families of neurodivergent people (laughs) rather than the actual neurodivergent people. One of them I spotted, which is managing autism and ADHD using essential oils. Oh, Lord. So naturally, we're going nowhere near that other than to go, shame. (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) Uh, But if you're interested, tomorrow... As this goes out Monday, the 25th of September, if you're anywhere in the vicinity of Wakefield, then uh, at the moment you have uh, is playing for one night only, as far as I can tell, ADHD the musical. Sweet. So at the moment, there are a couple of tickets left if you fancy going to go see ADHD the musical in Wakefield. It's only 70 minutes long, so it's not super long. Good for attention spans. Yeah. If we were closer, I would totally go to that. (laughs) Also, tomorrow, the 25th, is the Autism Empowerment Conference in Enfield. Uh, So that's between 1 o'clock and 7 o'clock. As far as I know, it's free to go to. So they're doing workshops and there's a free lunch, apparently, and tea and coffee during the break. So if you're anywhere in the vicinity of Enfield and you're kind of free tomorrow that's just uh, north london so a little bit difficult to get to for us but so. by all means um if you've got the time and you fancy a free lunch yeah get that free lunch get that free lunch <laughs> <laughs> then on the 28th this coming thursday again in london but in soho there's a, a stand-up comedian called joe wells doing a, a gig the show's called I Am Autistic, so I really hope he's autistic. <laughs> uh, there's still some tickets available. They're priced at £16.50 each, so not too bad as far mm-hmm. as Soho stand-up is concerned. It starts at 8 o'clock in the evening, so head on over to that. Meanwhile, in Liverpool, back to Liverpool. Liverpool, I've noticed, has a lot of very, like a lot of kind of like adult autism and ADHD groups. They do seem to be very supportive in that regard. That's good, though. Yeah, it's very good, but I'm not sure why. Yeah, I don't know. 
Maybe but yes, uh, th- this is another one from the Merseyside Autistic Adults. So, is, so we mentioned their Monday one last week, which is still going on. We just didn't think we'd mention it every single week. Yeah. But yeah, this is happening at the Flory in Liverpool on Friday in between half one and three o'clock. Again, it's free to go. It was basically just a, a, a little meetup. So those are some of the events coming up in the next week in the UK that you can go along to if you should so wish. Two of those are quite uh, theatrical, so do cost money, but then two of them aren't. So fairly well covered in that regard. But if there's anything going on near to you in the next week or so, hell, even in just the near future, let us know. Give us a shout on Instagram at The Autistic Experience, whether it's a meetup or support group or like a special film screening, what have you. As long as it's catered for neurodivergent people, then we don't mind giving a, a little shout out. As long as it's supporting and advocating and validating, then we're in support of it. Yeah. But for now, though, I think that's probably a good place to leave this week's episode of The Autistic Experience. We'll be back with a new episode next Sunday at midday British time. Thanks for joining us. What do you think about Ariel being autistic? <laughs> Let us know. In the meantime, yes, you can go. As, as I've mentioned like in the last minute, go follow us on Instagram at The Autistic Experience. You can go find all the link <laughs> references to everything we've talked about on today's show. So you can go and read about them yourselves, form your own conclusions, and then probably shout at us over the internet for coming to the wrong ones. That's how it works, all right? Yeah. Never. We are always right. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> so until next week, I've been Kieran. She's been Chloe. Now you go get that free lunch. Get that free lunch. <laughs>